Welcome, everybody, to the Weapons of Mass Disruption, WMD with Dr. Tamara Schwartz. Today, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity and the disruption of cybersecurity, which is kind of a silly thing to say, right? Cyber threat is disruptive. Cyber attack is disruptive. But guess what? The cybersecurity industry is being disrupted right now because what have we done? We have mischaracterized cyber threat as a technical problem. Technical problems have technical solutions. So if this were really just a technical problem, we would have solved it by now. In other words, cyber threat is a journey up Mount VUCA. And in the wake of the numerous cyber attacks against critical infrastructure industries in the last few weeks, the nature of cyber threat has been in the spotlight, disrupting not only the critical infrastructure industries that have been attacked, but also our understanding of the organizational role of cybersecurity. On this episode, I'm going to be discussing the dynamic cyber-based view of the firm and how organizations need to begin thinking about cybersecurity for strategic competitive advantage. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So where did we... Where, does, where do we start with a conversation about something that how long ago could the past be? We're talking about cyber threat. So the earliest days of computers in the 1940s, there really was no cyber threat because only a tiny handful of people even knew how to use computers because they were just being invented. But around the 1960s, something called freaking emerged. And freaking is not spelled with an F. It's spelled P-H-R-E-A-K-I-N-G, freaking. Phone freaks. And where did the phone freaks come from? Well, it's kind of a crazy story, but there was a whistle. If you remember the days of cereal and the cereal box prize, and some of us would open it from the top and pour out the cereal, and some of our clever siblings would take the box and open it from the bottom so they could get the prize right away. But in the box of Captain Crunch, there was a whistle. And someone, somewhere along the line, a guy named John Draper, discovered that this whistle created a sound that was the same frequency as the whistles that operated the telephone networks. And thus began the age of phone freaks, if you're interested in this story, there's a great audio book called Freaks. I think it stars Christian Slater. Uh, and it goes through the history of how the phone freaking movement began. Also in the 1960s, also John Draper, he and his fellow phone freaks coined the term social engineering. We hear an awful lot about social engineering today. In fact, my mom just got an email this morning asking her to renew her her uh, Geek Squad subscription. And she said, I don't think I have a Geek Squad subscription. And they had her put an app on her phone. And within about five minutes, she figured out that this was a mistake. And she hung up with them and she called me and we took the app off her phone. We, if you've, if you've ever had this happen to you, what you do is you just wipe your, wipe your phone entirely and, and reload it from the cloud. 
Um, and so she was able to, she, she's now had this happen enough times that she's beginning to be able to do this without calling me. Um, but the term social engineering was created back during the 60s because this is what they would do to elicit information from telephone operators. Because once they had their whistle, they needed to know more about how the networks operated. Next decade, 1970s, this is when the ARPANET Research Project begins. And if you are familiar with the term ARPANET, you know that this is the beginning of the internet. This is the early, early internet. And this, this is when we begin to see what we now know as computer viruses. There were two researchers who kind of began the computer security game. One guy, Bob Thomas, created a, a software called Creeper, which would go through the network and leave little breadcrumbs. And then another guy, Ray Tomlinson, he created a virus called Reaper, which would actually clean up and eliminate all of the breadcrumbs left, left by Thomas's Creeper. And so this Reaper software was actually both the first antivirus and the first computer worm. So then in the 1980s, we finally moved from ARPANET to the internet. If you're like me, a Gen Xer, you grew up watching Matthew Broderick in war games and, and the whole concept of, shall we play a game? And the launching of, of World War III or the, the possibility that it could have, could have gotten started by some kid who was a hacker and was just curious 1987 is when we see the very first commercial antivirus come out. It was Atari ST. So if you remember playing Atari, I believe it was Space Invaders and Pong. I think those were the two games we played on Atari. And this was also the year that McAfee was founded by John McAfee. And it's also 1980. So 1987 was a big year. This was sort of the start of our perception of cybersecurity as... Hackers were these annoying nuisance types. That was sort of the perception of, of cybersecurity back then. And so the first viruses that got released into the wild, Vienna virus and Cascade virus, came out in 1987. And so this is the day when we defined for ourselves as a culture the concept of what hackers were. Hackers were disengaged high school students who just wanted to get out there and and be disruptive to the adults who were at work. And that is the problem with this image of hackers is that it has really stuck with us. It has really stuck with us. So we're going to talk about what that means when we come back. Brought to you by CyberCon IQ, a patent pending cybersecurity awareness learning platform that is based on behavioral science. CyberCon IQ understands that every individual's learning journey is different, so why should everyone receive the same training program? At the heart of the CyberCon IQ solution is a personal style assessment. By first understanding the workplace persona of each individual in an organization, CyberCon IQ then delivers a personally curated cybersecurity education that teaches employees to recognize the cyber threats they are most susceptible to. Visit CyberConIQ.com for more information on this revolutionary learning platform. So before the break, we were talking about hackers and our perceptions of hackers as these, these 
teenagers who are just sort of trying to cause trouble for the adults in the real world. And that is consistent with uh, the description we heard from President Trump when he talked about the fact that the hack of the election was probably some 300-pound guy living in mom's basement eating ramen noodles. But this is a this is a misconception of what hackers are. So are there some teenagers out there who are curious? Are there hackers who are curious? Yes, hackers are people who like to mess around and see what they can learn from taking a radio apart and putting it back together, hacking into a network. Yes, that is one piece of what hackers are. But hackers have become something much bigger and much more powerful. So then, then we kind of change to this perception that all hackers are bad guys. In fact, one of my, one of my good friends is, um, worked for the NSA and he was at a conference and he met someone from the FBI and the person from the FBI asked him what he did for a living and he said he was a hacker. And he said the guy was ready to arrest him there on the spot until he explained he was a hacker who worked for the U.S. government, <laughs> at which point the FBI agent backed off. So where do we categorize hackers? Are hackers bad or hackers good? And the answer is yes. They're not one or the other. They are both, and there are a whole bunch of shades of gray in the middle. A whole bunch of shades of gray in the middle. And then the other important thing for you to understand is that there are a lot of hackers out there who are business people. There are entire communities supporting their their economy in their town. There's a place that if you if you want to Google it, it's called Hackerville, Romania. Totally supporting the economy through cybercrime and hacking. Hackers are people who they they have created these massive learning communities, these massive business enterprises. This is very contrary and disruptive to our view that hackers were just some sort of nuisance. Hackers are way beyond nuisance. They are highly organized. Now we also have hackers that are groups of, some of them are are government connected, some of them are crime connected, and in many cases we have these criminal enterprises collaborating with governments in order to create the plausible deniability from nation state attacks. And that's where we kind of pick up where we are lately, right? We've, we've been having the colonial pipeline hack, the meatpacking industry. 2017, Maersk got hacked. Um, transportation networks, the Irish health system, all of these places have been being hacked recently. And these are all critical infrastructure industries. And prior to today, prior to these hacks that have been so incredibly disruptive to their operations, they're categorization of cybersecurity was that cyber threat was a risk, that cyber attack was a risk, and that we would do risk mitigation and risk planning just like we do for any other kind of risk, whether that be a hurricane or um, a power outage or something like that. There is a fundamental difference between risk and threat. I can't foot stomp that for you enough. There's a fundamental difference between a risk, which is something that there's a probability it could happen, and there's an impact to it happening, right? We categorize risk based on that probability, and we, we identify it as red, yellow, or green, and we decide how much of it we're going to offload to an insurance company, how much we're going to create a 
plan of action for to to handle. Cyber threat is not a risk. It is a certainty. A threat is somebody who is expressly out there to do you harm and thwart your ability to conduct operations. And this is very different. And not only are hackers no longer a mere nuisance, many hackers, many of the cyber attackers, we'll call them, don't even know you or care about what you do. They've been paid. Remember I mentioned those big business enterprises. This concept of software as a service, which we use in the white world all the time, right? You get your your enterprise resource planning software and you um, have your online applications that you use. That software as a service is now available in hacking. You can get ransomware as a service. You can buy a DDoS attack as a service. And so now your attackers don't even have to know how to code. They don't actually have to be hackers. They just have to know how to get in touch with someone who knows how to do that sort of thing. So cyber attack as a service is a new industry. And so what does this mean for companies? Well, it means you need to begin thinking about how cyborg you are. Uh, you may recall that there was an IQ for You episode that we did early on. I think it was episode four, where we talked about this concept of becoming cyborg. The question you need to think about is exactly how much of your industry's core capabilities, of your organization's core capabilities, rely on cyberspace. How much of your business is dependent upon your ability to access your data, your ability to access your website? You are probably much more cyborg than you realize. And your computers, your Internet of Things, all of the network-enabled devices that you use, they are not just tools for you. And that's something that is a fundamentally different perspective. This is disrupting our worldview, right? Every tool we've ever bought for ourselves has been a tool for us. And it was only going to be used by somebody else if we gave that tool to them to share with us. Not so in cyberspace. The minute you hook it to the internet, It is now a tool for anyone and everyone who knows how to access it. That's a very different perspective than the physical world where if I have a hammer sitting on a desk inside my house, someone would have to come into the house and pick up that hammer. It's not the same in cyberspace. And this is going to require an entirely different perspective from the C-suite. And this is where I bring you to the dynamic cyber-based view. The dynamic cyber-based view is this construct of looking at how the human mind relies on information delivered by physical devices. And through that relationship, through the feedback that constantly is taking place between the system and and the data, the person and the data, the person using the machine, All of this is a constant feedback loop, and you have to understand how your business operates in that construct. And so 
over several more episodes, we will look at the changes that are going on in the threat environment. We'll start to talk about some specific kinds of threat that you need to be aware of. Um, but we are really in Mount Vuka territory. Cyber threat is, <laughs> it is like the rolling rapids of the lava spewing out of the volcano. And so we're going to quit here for the day. And we will pick back up on this conversation of cyber threats that are changing as we continue through different episodes. But until then, if you find yourself rafting Mount Vuka and someone complains that you're rocking the boat, get out, lace up your boots, and use your paddle as a walking stick. Have a great week. WMD Weapons of Mass Disruption is produced by me, Chris Perez, and all rights reserved to Dr. Tamara Schwartz. You may access this podcast free of charge on any of your preferred platforms or by visiting us at lomrai.com. That is L-L-A-M-R-A-I.com.